Hey guys, this is Jessica Lane, and I am the pastor of ministry engagement at the church at Ross Bridge here in Hoover, Alabama, and delighted to be with you. Happy Advent. If you're one of those types of folks that listens to these podcasts on the day in which it was intended, then this is the first Sunday of Advent, November 27th, 2022. This is a really neat season of expectation and reflection. And I wanted to do something today with our podcast, this holy season that's under the umbrella of our praying together. It's sort of a two-phase. I've been studying on my own uh, John 17, which some people call, some theologians call the real Lord's Prayer or the prayer of Jesus. This is when we get to sort of take a almost a voyeuristic peek into God the Son praying to God the Father. So it's not like the classical Lord's Prayer where um, Jesus' followers say, teacher, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. And he says, well, when you pray, uh, pray in this way, our Father who art in heaven. And then it leads into the classical, what what we term today, the Lord's Prayer. This is different. In John 17, this is God the Son praying to God the Father, knowing that his time on earth is coming quickly to a close. This prayer has three sections, if you will, to it. And it's interesting. My, my husband has a hard time with this. He prays for himself. Jesus Christ, the man, the God-man, prays for himself. So we'll get more into that in just a minute. And then he moves on to praying for the ones that God gave him. Those that you gave to me, he says. He took care of them. Those are the disciples, his closest uh, followers, who will, um, after his death and resurrection and ascension, will then become apostles. They will become sent ones. They will uh, graduate from being students to sent ones, which is an interesting transition, uh, one that all of us have to take in our Christian journey. And then the third part of the prayer, it's interesting, Jesus prays, Some theologians have called this in John 17 the longest prayer in Scripture, not so much because of its um, verses, its 26 verses. That is a pretty long prayer, but the reach of the prayer. Jesus prays thirdly in his prayer in John 17 for all of those who will ever believe that God sent him, that he is the Son of God, and that God, Yahweh, is the one true God. All of those that will ever believe on him through the witness and words of his chosen, of the disciples who will become apostles, who will become sent ones. And so it's interesting that in this prayer, well over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the God-man, prayed for you and me specifically, because we have come, brothers and sisters, to know that God the Father sent God the Son, that the incarnation happened, and that our salvation and atonement was secured through that process and through that vision and through that yieldedness that Christ had to God's plan. We have come to believe that through a succession of apostles, if you will. So it's interesting how all of that is interconnected. And what I want to do, the second part of what I'd like to do in this discussion of prayer is I want to apply this threefold 
prayer method to something that I'm doing for my daughter. I have picked up, now y'all don't tell her, this is part of her Christmas. Every Christmas I get her, uh, and she's 14 now, I get her a devotion. You know, it started out, it was children's devotion. It was just, it, they even I even got her a flip open one that had recordings in it. And then as she got a little older, it was sort of like precious moments Bible type stuff where it would give a cute little story and then a cute little prayer that you're supposed to fold your hands and pray. Then she got a little older into a teenager and, uh, you know, the subjects got a little deeper and they were a little more um, conflict resolution and how we look to Christ for those things. And it would give you guided prayer activities. But this one, this is really neat. This is, um, and she's local, guys. This author is local. Sophie Hudson is right here in Birmingham. This is her newest uh, journaling devotional called Grace Upon Grace. It is 100 days of a brief story. Forgive me as I'm flipping pages here. It's a brief story. And by the end of the story, the last third of the story for each day, she sort of ties whatever the story was about from her life application, and she ties it in with scripture and with something, uh, a spiritual nugget that we're supposed to pull out of it. Um, and it's just beautiful how she does it. Uh, I'll tell you, Sophie Hudson gets teenage girls. She gets it. Uh, she gets them. She speaks their language. And I, for one, as a mom of a, the beast known as a teenage girl, am grateful for it. Then she'll ask a couple uh, a couple or three or four um, just brief questions that you get brief answers to. And then you have an opportunity to write a prayer. And what I thought I'd do, since Scotty has a stack of, my daughter's name is Scotty, she has a stack of devotionals throughout the years that are collecting dust in various places in her in her room and in her study, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to do this 100 days. I'm doing like 16 to 20 days <clears throat> each day so that I can get it done by Christmas. I'm going to underline the areas that really speak to me. And then I'm going to write a really brief prayer over Scotty that relates to each day's material or scripture passage or spiritual nugget. And so I'd like to take this threefold prayer of Jesus that we get to voyeuristically peek in on. And I would like to apply praying for myself as her mother, praying for her as a teenage girl in a country and a culture where I'll just say, guys, it's not easy. It kind of scares me to death to raise a teenage girl in this society. So pray for myself and pray for Scotty and then pray for all of those who might ever come to an inkling all the way to a saving belief in Jesus Christ because of directly because of the seeds that Scotty's able to plant through her patterns of speech and behavior and her treatment of others and her attitude and just the things that she does that speak so loudly that Others can't hear what she says. My prayer as a mom is that her behavior is noticed by the world in such a way that they they wonder where is her hope and her joy and her zest for life coming from. I'll have what she's having. If she's having Jesus, I will have a dose of that as well. So that's our goal today. And so ultimately, guys, Jesus' prayer for himself is not for his own interests. He doesn't ask for glory so that his reputation will be vindicated or so that others will give him praise. One of the commentaries that I read on this section 
states that Jesus has his enemies. He doesn't pray for their defeat, but rather so that he will be better suited to bring God the Father all glory. His prayer is that his life will be better suited, that he would be fitted, that he will be made more fitting, as if Jesus could be more fitting, right? But that he will himself be made more fitting to be a vessel to bring God glory. Central to all of the gospel is not about the salvation, the personal salvation of you or of me. Central to the gospel, guys, (laughs) is bringing God glory. That's what it comes down to. And so from there, we're going to move on to um, verses 6 and beyond. And this is where Jesus prays for his disciples. Again, I'm reading from the NIV. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. And skipping down to verse 8. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew them with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world. But for those you have given me, for they are yours. And skipping now to verse 11 now. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be as one as we are one. Sorry, that's a lot of ones. I love verse 11. I love that Jesus, first of all, in verse 9, feels the need to clarify. God the Son feels the need to clarify to God the Father, I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Do you think God the Father needed to be reminded of that, or that he was confused about what God the Son was praying for at that time? It's interesting that Jesus, it's almost as if Jesus knows that his inner circle are peeking into in a voyeuristic way. They're they're listening in on his prayer to his father. It's a very intimate time for Jesus, uh, but it also, he takes the time and the verbal discipline to say things that you know good and well. Divine father and son don't need to, don't have to actually speak back and forth to one another because Uh, They are one. They always were, always will be. Um, And so they have a connection, um, guys, that that we just don't with the skin on that we have, right? Really interesting. There's something we can learn from verse 11 about the, the words that we choose to use and what the meaning behind them is, um, in our prayers. Jesus says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Going back to the beginning of that verse, Holy Father. One of the commentaries that I read pointed out that holy here is communicating transcendence, okay? God is above all, before all. That's what holy is communicating. Father is communicating a familial intimacy or eminence of God. So here is God the Son, right? This is God, the second person of the Godhead. And he is, uh, Jesus is acknowledging God the Father's transcendence, his holiness, his set-apartedness above all, before all, but also calls him Father. So there's that intimacy, that familial intimacy. Guys, that is, That is exactly um, the methods um, that we should use in our wording with God. God is absolutely before all, creator of all, above all, transcending all and everyone and everything. But he is also, he has also counted the very heads on, hairs on each of our heads. This is a God of intimacy. This is a God who 
really loves for us to cry out, Father, Abba. So um, I love that uh, section. And then he wraps up in verse 11 with that they may be one as we are one. Unity is very, very big. Now, Jesus knows his time on earth, his time with skin on is coming to a close, and he's going to return to the glory of the Father and seated at the right hand of the Father. And so he knows that uh, unity among his very, very closest brethren uh, and the women as well is very important because they will be the ones who will they will graduate from disciples, from uh, pupils, to sent ones, to apostles. And that's very important that there be unity in their message, in their spirit, in their belief of Jesus, in their experience of Jesus. There needs to be unity. So that's really important. Skipping down to verse uh, 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Guys, this is important. If you've got a teenage, well, if you've got an adult child, if you have children at all, Our prayer should never be that God remove them from their suffering or their trials and tribulations, but that God places hedges around them and buffers them and protects them from the evil one and equips them and arms them with the spiritual tools that they need to navigate this world successfully, not success for themselves in a worldly way, but uh, to further uh, uh, God's kingdom agenda. We should always pray that our children are sharpened as arrows because eventually you don't just hold a quiver of arrows your entire life. Eventually you reach back, you draw one on the bow, and you let it go. You set it out into the world, and you want it to be as sharp and as straight as possible when you do that. So uh, I love that part of the prayer. And so the very last verse of this second section of the prayer of God the Son to God the Father is verse 18 and 19. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So there's that sense of sendedness, okay? We are a called people, and then we are a sent people. That is the pattern uh, that we're after in life, in discipleship, but also in, in God's kingdom, but also in our prayer lives. We need to think of ourselves as called into communion and fellowship with God, If reading scripture brings us into communion with God, certainly our prayer lives should bring us in communion with God because that is the the soul's very ascent to God is our prayer life. And so in verse 18, Christ says, and again, I'm reading from the NIV, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so there's this acknowledgement of a scentedness, um, having a transferred from a disciple to an apostle. And I, I really desire in my own prayer life, in my own walk with the risen Christ to pray that over my daughter. I want my daughter to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, to be sitting under his tutelage and learning from him and drawing strength from the Holy Spirit all of these formative years of her young life. But at some point, that arrow uh, should be sharp enough to be sent out into the world. And I want her to translate from a gathered person to a sent soul and be effective uh, for the kingdom agenda. So I want to incorporate that into my prayer life as well. Now, moving very quickly into the third section of the um, Christ prayer here in John um, chapter 17, I want to read uh, verses 20 through 23. 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. And skipping down to verse 23, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. It's interesting um, Unity is also important, not just for the 12 that are Jesus' inner circle, but uh, for you and me and the, the, the communities of the local expressions of God's universal church um, that are gathered uh, here over 2,000 years later. That's important to Christ as well. Uh, the commentary, I've referred to the commentary several times. It's actually, when I say that, uh, for your reference, uh, I'm borrowing from uh, Michael E. Cannon Jr.'s book, The Prayer of Jesus, an expository and analytical commentary on John 17. And he notes a C.S. Lewis quote in the book. We can't get through this without a little C.S. Lewis, right? C.S. Lewis says, The glory of God and as our only means to glorifying him, the salvation of human souls is the real business of life. And isn't that, um, if you're praying for your uh, teenage uh, daughter, <laughs> as I am, uh, guys, isn't that the ultimate goal? I, I really want to uh, take away from this process of peeking in on the prayer of God the Son to God the Father. And I want to take this devotional that I'm building and highlighting and writing notes in and writing prayers in. I really First of all, I want my daughter to read it. I want her to spend time daily in God's Word, and this devotional does include scriptures every day. Sophie Hudson is such an amazing communicator, uh, and she really, as I said earlier, gets the teenage girl beast. She gets them. She speaks their language. So I want my daughter to read this, spend time with it, and to commune, to fellowship with God, to draw strength from the Holy Spirit, to know that Christ is with her, goes before her, walks beside her. And then I want her to feel a sense of sending this. So I want to incorporate that um, in our prayer. So, to, so we will move on to the exercise of writing the prayer over Scotty. I will tell you, I'm reading from day 12 in the devotional book, and Sophie Hudson is sharing a story about, and I'll just read directly from the pages. When we combine stubbornness with our perceived rightness, we're in some straight-up prideful territory. And as I've learned over and over again in my life, because make no mistake, I have been covered up in my own stupid stubbornness and pride at times. Proverbs 16:18 is no joke, my friends. Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Today is a great day to evaluate if you're sitting in stubbornness and calling it conviction. The good news is that we serve a God who is merciful and who forgives us when we confess our sin. What a gift to be able to stand in his grace. We need it every single day. That's how she concludes that devotion. Uh, segment for, and wraps up that story with the spiritual nugget. This is the prayer that I would like to pray over Scotty. Again, incorporating a peek into the prayer of God the Son to God the Father, um, praying for himself, then moving to praying for his inner circle, which I'm going to call Scotty, and then moving to uh, my daughter, and then moving to praying for all that she can um, effect for, for good uh, in God's kingdom. Uh, with all the riches that she learns by basking in the light and the glow and the fellowship um, with her God. So, uh, uh, if you'll pray with me, that would be fantastic. God of glory, thank you for bringing me to this space where I have a burden to pray for my teenage daughter. I know that I should probably do it much more than I do, but Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit convicts me and places this holy burden upon me. I thank you for the privilege of coming to 
place my daughter and all of my cares about her, to cast my cares upon you, to place them at the foot of your throne. I thank you, Father, for the sacrifice and atonement that Christ achieved on the cross and through his glorious resurrection into glory, Father, that because he accomplished that, I have the very privilege of approaching you in prayer. Um, Because without that, in the absence of Christ and his sacrifice, Lord, I I have no, I have no uh, window uh, to you in prayer. So I thank you for the privilege of coming here and praying for my daughter. God of glory, I ask that you teach Scotty to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility to value others above herself. May her consideration of others be genuine and may others discover her humility's sweet fragrance that leads them to your glory. It's in Christ's holy and precious and strong name that I pray. Amen. Guys, thanks for joining me today. Happy Advent. I hope that it is a very reflective and hopeful and anticipatory season for you and that your hearts dance and delight through every stage of it.